So let's go to John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15. And we're going to start reading in verse number 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for my friends. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father. I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. And what I want to talk to you this morning is about bringing forth fruit. We see, it's very clear here in this passage, that the Lord expects us as believers to bear fruit. And we're going to talk about what that fruit is exactly. I do believe that winning souls is a, is a fruit that we're supposed to bear. But I believe there's more to it than just winning souls. And I want to talk about some of those things. But before we get into the specifics of the fruit that God wants us to bear, one thing that we do need to realize and make sure that we understand from this passage is that without Christ, we can do nothing. He says that in verse 4. He says, Abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by himself. Do you all remember the story in the Bible where... Uh, they took Aaron's rod, and remember how it budded? Now, that was a miracle when that happened because a branch does not grow leaves or any fruit by itself. But Aaron's did. I believe it grew. Was it almonds? I believe that it grew. I mean, that was a miracle that took place with that. But you know what? We cannot bear fruit unless we are connected to the vine. That goes for any fruit tree. You cut a branch off the tree, if it, it's not going to bear fruit by itself, and without Christ, if a person is not saved, they are not going to be able to bring forth fruit. Not the kind of fruit that the Bible's talking about. There's other fruit that a lost person can bring, and we might talk a little bit about that, but without Christ, we can't. There's nothing of any eternal value, of any spiritual value, nothing of any real value that we can do unless we are connected to the vine. You might remember the song we sang when we were kids, you know, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. That was a thing that we sang, and it comes from this passage here in John chapter 15. So, right, we see here in this passage, Jesus says, Without me ye can do nothing. So, what does that mean that we could do with Jesus? Think about it. Without me ye can, be, you can do nothing. 
So would I be getting out of line if I said, so with Him we could do anything? Doesn't that line up with Philippians chapter 4, verse 13? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I think Paul, I don't think we're taking this out of context, and I don't think I'm getting out of line when I say with Christ we can do anything. And I say that because many times when it comes to bearing fruit, Christians will say, you know what, I can't do that. Well, no, you can't do that by yourself, but with Christ you can do that. Many times we do, we put it all on ourselves when we should be putting it on Jesus Christ. If you do bear fruit, it's not because of you, it's because of Christ. Remember Moses, when God told him, I want you to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and Moses said, I can't do that. And he kept making excuses. He kept talking about himself. And then God gets angry at Moses and he said, didn't I say that I will surely be with thee? God's basically telling Moses, you have nothing to worry about. I'm going to be with you. It wasn't Moses that delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. It was God that delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. And when it comes to bringing forth fruit as a Christian, if you are saved, you have no excuse to not bring fruit. If you are connected to the vine, if you are saved, you should be able to bring forth fruit. So there's there's no excuses. Without me, you can do nothing. So I believe with Him, we can do anything. And I believe we can, I believe we can bring forth fruit. We can't save anyone. I can't save anybody. But you know what? Christ can save people. And I can bring people to Christ. And I, I can bear fruit in that way. There's been people that I've led to Christ before that Jesus saved and they didn't know all their terminology yet. They didn't know all the doctrine like they were supposed to yet. And I've heard them say, you know, hey, Brother Tommy saved me. And, you know, and I, it's, it's always kind of funny when they say that, but, you know, I always got to tell them, hey, I didn't save you. Christ saved you. I just showed you how to get saved. And, you know, it's exciting because. It, you know, it, a lot of times two people pick up on it. You know what? I could do that same thing for other people. If God used Brother Tommy to get me saved, then God can use me to get somebody else saved. And that the truth is, we can. We can't save anyone, but we can help see other people get saved. We, the truth is, we can't even do good on our own. But with Christ, good can be accomplished through us. Go to Romans chapter 7. I wish we had time to go through the entire chapter here in Romans chapter 7, but I'm just going to have to kind of hit some of the highlights here. But because so with this flesh that we have, is, it's, just, it's terrible. And we're not even capable, really, of doing any real good on our own. And I'm going to show you what I'm talking about as we read some of these verses. But look at verse 18. It says, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Paul, he looked at his flesh and he knew there was nothing good about it. Okay? And the, but, and the truth is, if you try to point this out to people and talk about how, you know, your flesh, it's terrible. You know, your flesh, it's, it's evil. Well, many times they'll start talking about the good things that they do. But do you know that we are so sinful, we are so rotten as just mankind... That even when we do good, many times there's evil involved with it. Sometimes we do good things and we're doing it so we can impress other people. Okay? Anybody besides me guilty of that before? You ever did something just because maybe you wanted somebody to notice? Maybe, you know, you did good just because you didn't want to feel guilty. I mean, maybe some of you came to church today 
just because I don't want Brother Tommy on my case. Well, you know what? You did a good thing coming to church, but if you did it just for me, you know what? There's still evil there too. It's supposed to be trying to please the Lord. But you know, the truth is, no matter how hard we try, there's almost always something that we're fighting against. And Paul had the same thing going on in his life too. Verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. He's like, you know, I want to do good, but I don't do it. You know, I think all of us in here, we have the desire to do good things, to bring forth good fruit, and to do it for the right reasons and the right motivations. You know, I try to check my heart all the time. You know, why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing it for the right reasons? Are my, are my motivations right? But the truth is, you can always find some sin in there too. You know, and... I want to do I want to do things right. I want it for the right reason, but that sin is just always present. It's always there. Verse twenty. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find that a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. We see here that Paul is basically just saying, you know what? By myself, I can't even do good. I can't do good works by myself. Works that are 100% Across the board, good, sincere, there's always evil present with me. And you know, he he didn't like that about himself. And we shouldn't like that about ourselves either. And that ought to cause us to draw closer to God so the Lord can use us in spite of our flesh, in spite of our failures that we have. But we it's very clear from this passage that basically if you do accomplish something for the good, you can't take credit for it. I mean, there's been times... How many of you before, maybe you you accidentally did something good? I mean, you 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 weren't even trying and maybe somebody was impressed with you. I had a guy just this week at work, man, he just came up to me and he just started... He, he noticed how I worked and started was talking about just how good of a job I do. And he's just like, he's just like buttering me up like you wouldn't believe. I'm, I'm almost laughing. Because, you know, he's telling me, man, this is good what you're doing. You know, man, you know, this, is, this is great. And I'm just thinking... It's a job. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to quit this job as soon as I can, so I can pastor full time. You know, but he's just he's just going on and on, and I'm like, you know, I just kind of got lucky, I guess. You know, he and sometimes we sometimes we accidentally do good things, but you know what happens many times if we do get complimented, we take it personal, we take the credit for it. Hey, but you know the truth is, if we did accomplish anything for good. Jesus Christ gets the credit for that. If I've done anything for you as a pastor here of this church, you know what? You know who you should glorify for? You should glorify God for that. Because you know what? I mostly make mistakes. I mostly fail. But you know what? Sometimes I get out of the way just enough that God's able to accomplish something through me. And we've just got to get in the habit of giving Him the credit for all of that. And just saying, Lord, help me get out of the way so you can accomplish something in my life. Because like it said, we said before, without Christ we can do nothing. And so he, he made that very clear. We see also here, and this isn't, this isn't as pleasant as what we just talked about, but 
God has no use for branches that don't bear fruit. Look at verse 2 of John chapter 15. If you want to turn back there, John chapter 15, verse 2. Look at what he says about the branch. He says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Well, that's not very nice. He's taken away the branches that don't bear fruit. Well, you know what? That's the same thing a husbandman does. If you have a tree that bears fruit, you do. You cut off the branches that aren't any good. They are taking nutrients away from the good branches. You purge that tree. That is what that is what you do. And if we are not bearing fruit, we are of no use to Christ. Verse six says, "If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch." and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Well, you're just like one of those branches. You all do this. You go in your yard, and what do you do? You pick up all those sticks that fell from the tree. Why? They're not really good for anything anymore. They're not going to produce anything. You can throw them in a fire and make a campfire. You can burn them, but you do. You get rid of them. They're just a nuisance. And that is what a person is who is abides in Christ but is not bearing fruit. And let me tell you something. If we're not bearing fruit, it's not Christ's fault. It's our fault. And we see here that He has no use for branches that don't bear fruit. Look at Matthew chapter 21 and verse 17. It says, "...and He left them and went out of the city unto Bethany, and He lodged there. Now in the morning as He returned into the city, He hungered." And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Notice what Jesus thought about a fig tree that didn't have any fruit on it. He cursed it. And it withered away. And I know there's a lot of prophetic... Uh, things that we could look at in there. Uh, we're not, we don't have time to get into all those things. There's another passage that mentions the same story, and it talks about how it wasn't even the time for the fruit yet. It wasn't even time, but Jesus saw this fruit, this fruit tree that didn't have fruit, and He cursed it. Why? A fruit tree that doesn't bear fruit is no good. It's absolutely good for nothing. We see another parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 13, verse 6. He spake also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeing no fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And so we see here just parable, just talking about a tree that's not bearing fruit. Get rid of it. There is no use. There's no use for this tree, and there's no use for a Christian who's not bearing fruit. A Christian that does not bear fruit is actually going to do more harm for the cause of Christ than good. And you might think, well, you know, that sounds pretty mean, okay? But you know what? I think a if I could use a biblical term for Christians that don't bear fruit, who, Christians who don't do what they're supposed to do, okay? Don't get offended by this. This is a biblical term. But you know what? They're good for nothing. Well, no, wait. That's, that's mean. That's not a biblical term. Well, turn over to Matthew chapter 5 
in verse 13. And look what the Bible says here. You see where we get this good for nothing term. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, okay, folks, but I'm just telling, I'm telling you what the Bible says. And it says in verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth. Okay? We, believers, you're the salt of the earth. But if, uh, if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing. Right there is that term, good for nothing, but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. So right here we see good for nothing is a term that's used. There is, uh, there is no use for a Christian that does not bear fruit. There is no use for a Christian. It, it's pointless for us to not be a light to the world. Look at the next verse. Verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Okay, We are the light, but if we put a bushel over that light, no one can see it. That light, it's no good. The light accomplishes nothing. If we hide the light, if we shield the light from the world, then what's the point of that light? Okay, how many how many of your parents ever yelled at your kids for leaving lights on in a room where no one's at? Okay, what's the point of light in a room where there's nobody at? That light's not doing anything for anybody. So you know what? Turn it off. It's just costing us money. Okay, but the Bible's told us we need to let our light shine before men. We're supposed to let our light shine where it can be seen, where we can be a help to people, where we can make a difference. If our light's just shining but it's hiding under a bushel. It's not, it's not accomplishing anything. It's not doing any good for anybody. And we are, once again, good for nothing if we're not letting our light shine, if we are not being the salt of the earth. So, what is this fruit that we're supposed to bear? You know, we've mentioned souls, but there's more than just you know, winning people to Christ, even though that is a huge part of it. We see that He has chosen us. God has chosen us to bring forth fruit. That is what He has chosen us to do that. He has called us as Christians to bear fruit. He has not called the lost people to bear fruit. He has not called the politicians to bear fruit. He has called the believers to bring forth fruit. And so what is this fruit? Well, we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says, "...for whom He did foreknow, He, did also, or he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son." that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. We see that God has chosen us to be like Christ. God chose the believers for that. God expects us to be Christ-like. Did you know that God doesn't expect lost people to be Christ-like? He expects us to be Christ-like. He didn't pick them to be Christ-like. He picked us to be Christ-like. It was God that called us to do that. It's amazing the expectations that we put on other people sometimes that we know are lost, maybe some of our political leaders, but you know what? God didn't choose them to be like Christ. He chose us to be like Christ. Those who are saved, God wants that. And then let me ask you, is there any fruit of that? Is there any evidence of that? We could all go around, you know, pointing at ourselves and saying we're like Christ. But did you know that when it came to you know Jesus, for example, or guys like John the Baptist. Okay, John the Baptist, he went around elevating Christ and bringing himself down, didn't he? John the Baptist, he said, he must increase, I must decrease. 
John said that. John said, There is one that cometh after me, the latchet of whose shoe I am not worthy to unloose. John the Baptist said that about himself. Okay? John, when John said he must increase, I must decrease, it's because some of his followers were going from following him to following Christ. And John was fine with that. John the Baptist was fine with that. But you know what Jesus said about John the Baptist? There was no greater born of women than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was mistaken for the Christ. Jesus was mistaken for John the Baptist. Let me tell you something. John the Baptist, he was very much like Christ and he didn't go around talking about it. Other people talked about it. If you really are like Christ, you're not going to be the one talking about it. You're going to be elevating Christ and bringing yourself down. Jesus Christ Himself humbled Himself, the Bible says. And He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And wherefore God hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name above every name. But Jesus didn't even do that to Himself. And so, many Christians, they do. They go around talking about how godly they are, how Christ-like they are. But the truth is, if you are talking that way, you're probably not godly. You're probably not Christ-like. If, you're, if you go around telling everybody how Christ-like you are, you know who you're probably like? The devil. It was the devil. It was Lucifer you know, who said, I will be like the Most High. It was Lucifer that exalted himself. So you know, these people who go around strutting their stuff like they're something so spiritual and so much better than everybody else, these people are not Christ-like. They're like the devil. John the Baptist, he humbled himself just like Jesus humbled himself. And we ought to be like Christ. There should be some evidence of that. The world should see you and they should notice a difference. You know, Notice too, the world didn't love Jesus Christ, did they? The world hated Him. Okay, I'm not telling you to make it your goal to make everybody hate you. But you know what? If you do act like Christ, the world's not going to smile on that. But they will notice a difference, I guarantee you. So... Are you going to be like Christ? Because the truth is, we're good for nothing when we do not act like Christ. Look at how many times, we, you know, how many examples there are out there of people who called themselves Christians but acted like the devil. And what does everybody do? They try to lump all Christians with those people. If I were to go out and do some terrible thing and it got out and it was in the newspaper, you know what the world's going to do? They're going to associate everybody at Liberty Baptist Church with what I did. Why? And really, and the truth is, I have now done more harm than I've done good. I'm good for nothing as a Christian. I'm not bringing glory to Christ. I'm bringing shame to His name. People are putting the name of Christ down because of me, just like Nathan told David. He said, you've, when David sinned with Bathsheba, Nathan said, you've given the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme against God. So a Christian that doesn't act like Christ, they're, they're good for nothing. And we ought to see that fruit. You should be becoming more like Christ. God has chose us to be a light to the world. We read that passage. Ye are the light of the world. If we are not shining a light in this dark world, we're good for nothing. We've accomplished nothing. If we're not setting an example, if we're not showing people the if we're not showing people the truth, if we're not directing them if we're not protecting them from sin, you know, we're supposed to be like that lighthouse. It lets the ships know when there's rocks coming up and it lets them know which direction to go. And this world that we live in, it is so lost, it's not even funny. I mean, they're not just on their way to hell, but even before they go to hell, they're going to go through a horrible path of just misery and destruction. We see what's going on in our country today. I mean, how is it that we are so far gone in our nation? How is it that, you know, 
we have the choices that we have this election season. How is it that that's been able to take place? We, we have a lost world. There's no light. People don't know what to do. People don't, they don't know what's right. I mean, look at families today, just the way they're falling apart. You know, parents just not raising their children. Children just out of control. I mean, we see these videos all the time. You see the riots and things going on. You got teenagers out there and everybody asks the same question. Where's the mom and dad? Oh, the mom and dad, they're, I'm sure they're around somewhere, but you know what? They have no clue what to do. They, they have no, they have no idea what they're supposed to do. We see the, the stuff that's going on in the schools today. And people are just like, what are we supposed to do? They have no clue what they're supposed to do. Why? There's nobody shining the light. There's nobody being the example. And even in churches today, the same problems that the world's having, they're going on in the church. Families can't stay together. Kids are out of control. I mean, people live like the devil. We've got to be a light, folks. We're not going to accomplish anything. We're going to be good for nothing if we are not a light. God has chose us to be like Christ. He's chose us to be a light to the world. He's chose us to be the salt of the earth. Okay, we talked. We read that passage. He said, "Ye are the salt of the earth." Well, salt does a couple things. First thing, salt. I believe it's it's a preservative. Okay, I believe that salt. You know, it it makes things better. Okay, it makes food taste better, doesn't it? Okay, salt. There's salt in almost everything, isn't there? It makes things taste better. Let me ask you, do you make the world a better place? Is this church a better church because you're here? Is it a worse church? There are some people that come into church and they do nothing but sow discord, cause trouble, bring a bad attitude and a bad spirit. I mean, just gossip. They backbite. And they're saved. But let me tell you something. They're good for nothing. They're not making the church a better place. They're tearing the church apart. Let me tell you, salt makes things better. It makes things taste better. It makes them more enjoyable. Is your neighborhood a better neighborhood because you live there? Or are you bringing that neighborhood down? Are you the one? Are you the reason the police are getting called out to your neighborhood all the time? Hey, we saw somebody around here. There's there's a police car going there all the time. We thought it was always domestic problems. We found out. Turns out the police is friends with that person and stops buying visits. I told my wife, I said, we're not making friends with any policemen because we don't want them stopping by their house because we, we now know what our neighbors will think if a policeman stopping by our house all the time. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, if I make friends with the police, they're not allowed to come over in their police car. <laughs> so, but I, if, if, are, you, are, you, are you the one bringing your neighborhood down? If you're, the, if you're a believer, ye are the salt, you should be making the world a better place. Your job, the place where you work, it ought to be a better place to work because you are there. We've all had the people that we've worked with that made our job more enjoyable. We Maybe we've had the boss that made our job a little easier, caused us to appreciate our job a little more, but we've also had the workers, the other employees or associates that, boy, they made our job miserable. Is that what you are? Are you the one that doesn't you know, that brings the bad attitude? Are you the one that brings the bad spirit into the place? You're the salt of the earth. You are supposed to make the world a better place. We're always looking for everyone else to make the world a better place. But you've got to do that. You have to be the one. If your neighbors are lost and you want to have a better neighborhood, you know, if you want it to be friendlier, you've got to initiate that. You know, one thing I'm just tired of, and I'm just, you know, I know pretty much everybody in here is probably northerners, okay? Uh, but you know, let me tell you something about us northerners. We're not friendly. And you know what? I want to be a soul winner. Okay, 
I want, I want to be able to talk to people. I want to be able to invite people to church. But you know what? In our culture, people aren't used to people talking to each other in public. Whether they're in a store, in a restaurant, everybody's just supposed to keep to themselves. And you, you, don't, you don't talk. You, you know what? Why don't we change that? Okay? I know we live in the north. I know this is Illinois. I know it's not friendly. But you know what? Instead of us waiting for all the lost people to all of a sudden start getting friendly, why don't we just go ahead and get friendly? You know, if enough of us start saying hi to people and smiling at other people and talking to other people in public, pretty soon it's not going to be weird anymore. Pretty soon it'll be like down south. They do it down south. I've been there. We've been in restaurants before. We're sitting there and everybody's just looking at us. And then they start talking to us. And you know, and, and us northerners, we're always just like, you know, our first instinct is, I'm eating. <laughs> but then we remember, hey, we're down south. And down, the south is better than the north. They're friendly. We're not. And, and then we do. We talk back. And we have, we have sat in restaurants down south, and pretty much the whole restaurant, we're all eating together and having a conversation. Why can't we do that in the north? Okay, why don't we just start being friendly? Let's be let's be the salt of the earth. This area is not very friendly. So how about we change that instead of expecting lost people to change that? We do, we we got a lot of problems in this area. You know, I guess it's probably like this all over the country too. But you know, this is where I live. This is what I see every day. But you know, people these days too, they're you know they're slobs. I mean, they they literally they go to town. They look like they just rolled out of bed. Pajamas, messy hair, and all. You know what? Why can't we dress up a little bit? Why can't we put on real clothes before we go out in public? Why can't we wear clothes out in public? Okay, the lost are—they're going to continue doing that stuff. We we can't just expect them to change. We've got to change that. We've got to set an example. I've been—you know—I I dress like this to church. I don't dress like this every day, but on Sunday. I have on Sundays we've walked into restaurants, gas stations, and people look at us and like, "Whoa, you're really dressed up." And you know, I'm just like, "Yeah, went to church." You know, I, I try to act like it's normal. Isn't this isn't this what people do when they go to church? You know, you try to change the culture. I used to work with a guy, and it was a, it was on a Wednesday, and I mentioned I was going to church. He's like, "You go to church on a Wednesday?" And I said, "Yeah, don't you?" <laughs> Well, no. And and I'm not kidding. The rest of the day, he kept coming back to me, like giving excuses for why he doesn't go to church. (laughs) I mean, it was like, I made him feel like the oddball. I made him feel like the weird one. You know, why don't we do that? We are the salt of the earth. So let's just do it. You know, as salt, we, you know, salt's a preservative. And you know what? We know that judgment is coming to this world because of sin. We know that God, I mean, you know, that I, I believe judgment, you know, in some ways judgment's falling in some places. Even in this area, the problems that we have in this area are because of sin. Okay? So let me ask you, are you contributing to that? Are you doing some of the sin too? You know, you can't, we, I, you can't even go to Walmart now without hearing, and it's usually women too, okay? I'm not trying to, you know, be sexist or anything. But I go into Walmart all the time, and in the store, in the parking lot, I hear women cussing, just using the most vulgar language that there is. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you know, it, it, it ticks me off. 
it make, I think it makes this whole area look bad when you're in a gas station and people are in there just using profanity. I think, it, I think it's a shame. Well, let me ask you, have you contributed to that? You know, why is it that people feel so comfortable using that kind of language? You know why? Because it seems like everybody's doing it. But you know what? Everybody doesn't have to be doing it. And we should not contribute to that kind of thing. When you see the dishonesty that goes on, are you contributing to that? If you have a business, are you cheating people? Are you ripping them off? Let me tell you, God, He'll, He'll judge a nation for things like that. He will judge a community for things like that. If we are not, you know, if we're being dishonest, if we're not taking care of people, if we're not helping those who need help, God's gonna, God deals with nations and with, and with even cities that don't do those things right. And so we should not be contributing to that. Maybe everybody is doing it. Maybe everybody else is dishonest. Maybe everybody else that runs the same kind of business that you have is crooked and a cheat. And you think that that's what you have to do to get ahead. But you know what? You're the salt of the earth. You cannot contribute. You have got to set the example. You have got to do the right thing. The immorality. Okay? The Bible talks about way back in the Old Testament. It talked about the abominations that the heathen did. And the Bible says the land itself, it vomiteth up the inhabitants. Are you involved in immorality? If you are a part of it, you are contributing to what is going on in this world. The immorality of our world is just, it's just absolutely disgusting. It's just ridiculous. The, just the, the amount of wickedness. And people are not even ashamed of it anymore. We were just watching a Dick Van Dyke show. And on the, on the Dick Van Dyke show, it turned out his wife had lied about her age when they got married. And she was 17, and in some places it was illegal to get married at 17, and they were devastated because what if we're not legally married? What about our son? You know, I mean, they were just, I mean, they were just, they were just devastated. You know, it turned out it was, it was legal or whatever. But I thought they couldn't make a show like that today. You know why? Because people don't care. They found out they weren't married after, they wouldn't even care. There's nothing sacred about it anymore. It doesn't even matter. Are we contributing to that attitude? Christians shouldn't be shacking up. I know the world does that kind of thing. Christians shouldn't be physically involved outside of marriage. Okay, the world, but the world does it all the time. Are we contributing to that? Are we helping make it look normal? It's not normal, folks. It's wickedness. It's sin. And we've got to make sure we're not contributing because we are the salt of the earth. If we are, we're good for nothing. And then finally, just real quick, God has chosen us to spread the Gospel. He's chosen us to do that. That is our job to spread the Gospel. We are good for nothing when we are not being a witness. And what is a witness? We've talked about that. A witness, that's they've seen something and they can testify. If I got accused of murdering somebody at, you know, on September 25th at 12 o'clock and they were over on the other side of town... You all are witnesses that I did not do that. But if you're not willing to open your mouth, if you're not willing to testify on my behalf, if you're not willing to say anything, you're good for nothing. You're not going to help me one bit. Who cares what you know if you're not willing to share that? If you're not willing to be a help to someone? And you know what? If you are saved, you are a witness of what Jesus Christ can do for you. You are a witness of salvation. You are a witness of what Jesus Christ has done and you have a responsibility to tell other people. And if you're not telling other people, you're good for nothing as a Christian. If I had a cure for cancer and I did not share that 
everyone would say, I'm a terrible person. And they would be right. Well, we've got something better than a cure for cancer. Salvation is much better than a cure for cancer. You know, even if we find a cure for cancer, did you know everybody who doesn't die from cancer is going to die of something else? But salvation? Well, that's an eternal fix right there. That lasts forever. That's even better. And for us to not share that with people, boy, what a waste. What a shame. God didn't just put us here. He didn't just save us so we could sit around and wait to go to heaven. He saved us so we could fulfill His will accomplish things for Him. So we could bring forth fruit. He wants to use us to make this world a better place. He wants to use us to see more people saved. And I think it's time that we, that we do that. That we bring forth fruit. And so, with that, let's all stand together.